And now, some exclusive post-match comments from the new World Pokemon Champion. Take it away, Ashy boy. Oh, the times! They are a-changing! I want to earn it. I want to fuck that. I deserve it, because I'm the best in the fucking world! And every single one of you know it. That's a fact. Nobody is on my level. And then, to think you guys still believe me when I put over this motherfucker? Grow the fuck up. No offense. Grow up. Anybody got any questions? Huh? Just kidding. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. Champs, fuck it out, baby! Fucking kidding me, dude. Well, on a week where um, catnip happens, welcome listeners to Podcast ONA. Hello, everyone. My apologies. Uh, right as we started recording, the sun got my boy Ash got high as a kite and is now trying to chase his tail on a very high surface. <laughs> which which is a good which is a good little uh summation of the week. Uh, isn't that lovely? I wish I was a cat and my problems were getting high and eating my tail. Uh, yeah, that would be nice, but um Unfortunately, we are not uh, awarded that luxury, given uh, I'm just going to vaguely gesture at everything and say it has been certainly one of the weeks of all time. Uh, let's see. Where do I go with? Um, trans rights are human rights and be nice to the gays, trans, drags, drag queens, literally just Nice. Let, let them know you're there for them and they're dealing with a fucking lot yeah and uh unfortunately very dumb people who think they are very smart people are not helping yeah uh, yeah don't be a bigot don't be a bigot don't be an asshole otherwise you'll be welcome in Elon Musk's new venture which is basically just to make 4chan twitter any time that iceberg would like to hit the Titanic, it would be lovely. Or, you know, if someone in San Francisco decides to go rogue and unplug a couple things. I'll say this right now. I, as far as, like, new social medias, like, I'm not, I'm not leaving the Bird app just yet, because I like it too much. But at this point, right now, everything's about building a contingency plan. Yeah, that, 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 that is the plan. Be prepared. It will happen, and it will happen when you least expect it. Like, I, Instagram is maybe the best for what, like, social media presence, like, our podcast ventures might need. But I don't like it as much as, like, some of the other ones. Tumblr's... I'm actually having fun with Tumblr again. Because I like the simplicity that is just, oh, you find the fun pictures and memes and art. It feels nice and nostalgic. I will say Hive definitely has 
a good foundation to work off of as far as things I like and enjoy about the Twitter. The problem is this is very much being run by like a crew that I can count on one hand and it is just mobile apps and the Android one is sluggish as shit. So this could be a real tour de force in like six to nine months. But right now it's the the hive is a little bit of a disarray. Right now we're just trying to find the best place that will not uh, implode on itself and the best place that will work. But yeah, just have your usernames accounted for early. I I, claim, I basically did it to claim Classy Spartan. I'm just glad I don't have to use Mastodon because fuck me, I I can't understand Mastodon. Yeah, we're all, we're all trying to figure this out as we go along because because as I said, it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Keep in mind that Tesla stock is getting more and more worthless. All of its gains over the last two years were wiped out this week. As much as I fucking hate him, it's very clear that, like, he hates this even more. And yet he is refusing to uh, give it up. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that he can solve most of his problems by simply shutting up, and he refuses to do it. Also, how do I describe this? So, the most fucking frustrating, insulting, and aggravating thing is... Man wrote, ran a Twitter poll and was like, oh, I guess let's install Donald Trump's Twitter account because, yeah, democracy, the people have spoken, despite most of that being bots. But I feel like the most amusing thing about that is he installed Twitter. He reinstated Trump's Twitter and Trump has literally come out and said he has no intention of returning to Twitter in a move I can only describe as dude that e-girl's not gonna fuck you for noticing you and Grimes is never coming back I don't think Grimes ever was coming to begin with I'll let you have that one. Thank you, Alex. Thank that, you. That is your that, one. That, that was an actually good one, Andrew. I'm proud. <sighs> All right. So that's yeah. current events caught up with. Yeah. My one addendum, um, when you make something as significant as the fragile, then you can talk. Otherwise, shut the fuck up, you dumb fucking space Karen. It's been a month. It's it's incredible how bad he can make it in a month. It has certainly been a very uh, eventful month, to uh, say the least. And uh, this will lead me into a bit of notes for what it means for this show. Because uh, if you if you couldn't tell by how we've sounded over the last uh, couple of weeks, we're very tired. We are very very tired is a lot going on and schedules and holidays especially holidays for me Jesus. yeah uh things have not gone according to plan that i would have liked for them to there was some stuff that i wish we could have done uh, unfortunately we can't do because we have too many scheduling conflicts out of our control that we just you know can't deal with again this is why duelist is not here 
He's getting hosed by his work. Yeah, holidays are not kind to those who have to work retail. Fuck me, do I not miss it. Yeah. And as for me, um... Well, let's just say... Here at the house, we're down to one car. Which means on some days, I have to be up at 5.30 a.m. to do a work drop-off, then go to work. Then do a work pickup, then come home. And have a few hours, you know, to myself to eat and catch up on stuff before, you know, doing whatever else I have to do at night, which is usually this show or editing a show. And I'll be honest, I get a little groggy or I have so little time to spare away from, you know, being able to catch up and recharge on me. And if you couldn't, if you can't tell by the sound of my very raspy voice, I'm feeling pretty burned out. I, this is the first time I've opened my laptop in about five days. So here's what, here's what, here's, here is what we're going to do. This will be our last show of the year. We will come back in January with a plan going forward to make sure that these uh, issues don't keep popping up. There's a lot we'd like to do. We just lack the time and energy for a lot of it right now. I say this jokingly, but I say this with full sincerity. What is the mega atomic bomb drop that would force us to reconvene for a breaking news podcast? A big sale or a big death, basically. Uh, someone, sorry, uh, someone announces a imposter. Maybe that. Fair enough. Honestly, if for Monster One, it's basically just Alex being like, breaking news, uh, this just happened. Uh, we now go to all of our uh, co-pundits and then just record us screaming ah! for at least like five minutes. And, and, sure. it can't, and it can't be a bunch of takes. It has to be one continuous five-minute long scream. You got to do the Dragon Ball Z method for your monster excitements. Put up or shut up. Yeah, the obvious asterisk is that if something monumentally big happens, we'll find some time to do it. But other than that... This is the last real show for a while. Yeah. When you've done over eight hours of audio over a span of two weeks... That's when you're working a little too hard. That's fair. Just as a note going forward, there might be some more changes as to how we do things. Andrew, you said it best, um, as well as uh, Duelist in our private chat. When you're doing a lot of stuff on the basis of work, it takes a lot of the enjoyment out of it. Yeah, sometimes when you just take some time away from it, it'll you'll get to miss it. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, I believe is the phrase. Yeah, and uh, here's hoping that once the new year starts, we will be full of a little bit more energy and, you know, the possibilities will be endless. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm tired. It's been a very long month, guys. Man, that was like the last... God, when the fuck did Unleash come out? Was that over a decade ago now? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, Sonic's good again. Oh, uh, yeah, Sonic Frontier is uh, quite fun. It actually looks fun. I'm, I'm hitting that point where it's like, fuck it. I want to play it, but I don't know if it'll actually run good on a Switch yet. I mean, I mean I've mean, i heard a Switch version. It runs 
it, it runs. I'll just say it runs. Sounds about right. Anyways, my kids are picking up then for the holidays. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Black Friday is upon us, depending on when you're listening and when this is being put up, because I... Yeah, you, you all know the picture by now. It's been a long month. So this will be it for the year, and... Yes, we will have Anime NYC stuff to talk about, along with a couple other uh, new announcements that might be of interest. But since the the mood around here is one of shit sucks real bad, we have to start with more unfortunate passings, plural. Yeah, it, a, a couple of these are pretty rough. Yeah. yeah I'm, so, um, this one's a bit uh, unfortunate, but it was a very full, long life indeed. William Frederick Knight, the legendary voice of Chief Aramaki in Ghost in the Shell, sadly passed away on November 8th at the age of 88. It was kind of sobering talking about him literally just a couple of shows ago mentioning that it was kind of incredible that at his age he was still able to do like shonen battle stuff in his 80s like you could tell he was pushing it a little but it's like that's impressive still and absolutely commendable this man has been the old man voice in anime for like a good 30 plus years at this point and he's good at it aramaki is a iconic distinct voice in particular like william knight's particular tone of voice is very distinct and striking he will absolutely be missed for his work Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah uh, my recipes. I really yes. love all his work. Mm-hmm. I wish that were it, but unfortunately, um, no, it, it is it's, not. I'd almost say, unfortunately, that is the easiest one to swallow. It is not. It's like the man is in his eighties. He was like almost ninety, so it's like at this point, it's like whatever I could say, it sucks. 88 still a fucking damn good life. Mm-hmm. This next one hurts. Yes, mm-hmm. these next yeah. these next ones do in fact hurt. As was mentioned in the description of our last show, the In Memoriam, uh, earlier this month, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, sadly passed away at the age of 66. After a battle with cancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's really nothing the best to say, but he was taken from us too soon. But like, mm-hmm. as, uh, as, I mean, we've, I mean, we've had a lot of debates over the years over interpretations of Batman, like which ones, which ones are better, which ones are too edgy and whatnot. But, so, so, but I gotta be honest, like, to me, there has never been a better Batman than Kevin Conroy. Like, when I think of Batman, I think of his performance pretty much always. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are some words 
that are thrown around to the point they kind of lose their meaning. One of those words, I would say, is iconic. But in the case of Kevin Conroy as Batman, there is nothing that is more appropriate than to say he is iconic as Batman and has been for 30 goddamn years. Yes. Not not just the voice of Batman in, you know, Batman the animated series and its spin-offs. Also in a lot of the in a lot of the video games, including Multiverses which came out just this year. Just to go down the list. Like I'm not going to I could potentially go through all these, but this is just kind of just to give a little sampler. He has been him in Batman the Animated Series, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, and that Static Shock episode when they did like that little crossover. Batman Vengeance. Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. The Batman. Because he was not that... He was not... Okay, actually, no. He was in the Batman, but he wasn't the Batman in that. He was in Batman Gotham Knight. He was in Batman The Brave and the Bold because he was an alternate universe Batman in that one. He's Batman Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, DC Universe Online... Injustice, Gods Among Us, and Injustice 2. Just 30 goddamn motherfucking years. And uh, as a bit of an aside, if you haven't, you owe it to yourself to uh, read the Finding Batman comic if you can find it in it. Yes, absolutely. It's his autobiography, and it is a really sobering piece of work. It was... Very touching, very heartbreaking, but yeah, uh, DC put that up uh, available for free on their website. It was part of the you know, DC Pride 2022 anthology. It is a very, very good uh, feature. Absolutely. <sighs> I learned from that that I think he grew up literally like a few towns away from me in Connecticut, so that was interesting to discover. But also, that sort of sobering revelation of the man kind of thought his career was going nowhere and that he was never going to get a break because of his... his, This industry is rough and they would not accept somebody like him. He booked Batman at 36. I wanted to highlight that point in particular because I feel like for better or for worse a lot of culture and a lot of us think like if you don't get like a big achievements like early on in like your mid-twenties in your life that you're not going to get anywhere or you're not going to go anywhere. The, the career defining performance of a generation as one of the most legendary comic book characters of all time Kevin Conroy did not book that until he was 36 
change his life forever and change the goddamn world forever. So mm-hmm. I, I think I just wanted to throw that out as like a little bit of a some bit of motivation in the darkness, I guess. But God damn Kevin fucking Conroy. His voice will continue to ring immortal throughout the night. Thank you for everything, sir. Mm-hmm. May you rest in peace. And unfortunately, these always come in threes, and we have to talk about something that is probably the most upsetting of all. Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, passed away November 19th at the age of 49 in what is alleged to be a suicide. Damn. This one's just really tragic. Yeah. Um, I had started watching Power Rangers this year just on a whim of curiosity just i i had an impulse one night and i decided hey i'll i'll see where i go with this and yeah i ended up really liking it and yeah a lot of that has to do with him as tommy oliver in the in the, the early seasons and um i i hate to say this because it's gonna sound really cruel there were signs he has not been well for a while and you know what they say about the obvious signs being missed. Yeah. It's... I don't have much of a attachments to the series as I know some others do, but this is tragic and I have nothing but respect and I can offer to his family, his friends, and everybody who knew and watched him dearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back of Nolan's as well as loved ones. It's just mm-hmm. really important that this happened. Yes. Man. Oh, boy. So, to... To Mr. Conroy, to Mr. Frederick Knight, and to Mr. David Frank. Rest in peace, all of you. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Well, I think we need to uh, lighten the mood a little bit. Considering um, yeah, yeah. we just spent a good amount of time talking about some pretty heavy subjects. Uh, yeah, fine. That's what you need a second to get back in the mood for the next one. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Can I offer you a dumb laugh to hopefully try and cheer you up a little? I'm sure. Go ahead. I would like to share this one tweet from one Jesse McLaren at McJesse on Twitter.com. They said, and I quote, I'm jealous of Elon Musk's kids. 
They're the only people who never have to hear from him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty good. It must be so nice. <laughs> you know how much of a shit parent you have to be to be like one of the richest people on the planet and like your kids don't want anything to do with you? Wow. Yep. <clears throat> that's, that's pretty bad. Okay, yeah. Uh, okay, alright. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to pick me up. Thank you. Nope. Okay. Um. Yeah, uh, we needed a little bit of uh, levity after that. I think that's for the best. I think to move on from a tragedy, we need to move on to something a little lighter in the form of a celebration, so to speak. One that is many years in the making. Yes, I think we shall, because after 25 years, the Forever Loser is now world champion. Ladies and germs, Ash Ketchum won the big one. Young Mr. Ashton P. Ketchum from Pallet Town is finally on top of the world. You, you ever think that, like, the Pokemon company's ever kicking themselves about having no official way to stream the Pokemon anime? Because, like, imagine if this was officially airing. This shit could have probably crashed, like, Crunchyroll or something. Yeah, it is kind of funny that they learned after the Aloha Lee that, like, it was, that, that, like, pretending nothing happened just wasn't going to work. So they actually just, so they actually just announced it when it happened this time. They, they just announced it, so all the sports publications and Variety are talking about it. Variety, <laughs> the BBC, and ESPN. It's So, yeah. Jet, as somebody who's actually been watching the course of events, how was it to see this in motion? How was it to see this uh, play out in real time? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty wild. I mean... I mean, going to to see that I got the feeling they were going to at least, you know, commit to him, like, basically, on which, I mean, which is, I mean, which in general is uh, probably a bigger accomplishment, a couple of accomplishments than anything else he's gotten so far. But, but the question was, like, are they actually going to let him win? And then, like, we got to, like, the whole big Master Day thing, and he started, like, beating actual champions, and it was like, oh, man, they might actually do it. And there were a couple of times with Leon fight where I thought they were going to cop out, but no, they followed through, and yeah, it happened. To, uh, to which, uh, yeah, to which uh, I found a fun little tweet uh, that, that I think might be uh, worth a good, a good laugh over this. I think I know the exact one you're talking about. Go for it. Okay, uh, 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 well, uh, maybe not that one, but specifically, uh, someone pulled up the win-loss ratio for, like, Ash's entire team for this um, whole thing, which is pretty. Oh easy. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have his Dracovish at four wins and four losses. Uh, fairly respectable. It was on the bench a lot of the time. Could have gotten more spotlight. Uh, his Gengar at six wins and seven losses. It it got jobbed a little bit early on, but started pulling some wins towards the end. 
at the surface at four wins and five losses. And again, it looks kind of bad, but it, it had some pretty good assists. So, like, all in all, he was a good team player. His Dragonite at four wins and three losses. It was really strong early on and then started getting job towards the end. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, his Lucario at ten wins and six losses. I mean, it's a Lucario, of course, it's going to do well. Of course, it's Lucario. That goddamn. <laughs> how, about, how about the little Pika Nuke himself? Yeah, and then at 14 wins and three losses, the Turtle Goat, Pikachu. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tom Brady wishes he could have a win-loss record as good as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a fun yeah, thing, like, two of those losses happened early on, and any one loss was, and any one other loss was in the main tournament against Cynthia, but specifically because Cynthia had to cheese Pikachu with Destiny Bond. Yep, that would uh, do that's it. That's a cheap tactic all, <laughs> all over. Your favorites are problematic. Yeah. Uh, God, I, that's not the one I thought you were going for. I thought you were going to talk about the um, a ten year old with twenty five a ten year old with twenty five years of experience. That's the guy all the all the job recruiters are looking for. Uh, yeah, there's also that. <laughs> uh, now, now there there are, there are three things I like to note about it. One, uh, yes, that entire almost ten minute battle is filled with fantastic Sakuga, so much so that it was screened outside in Shibuya to a captivated audience. Even though uh, there might have been some shenanigans with a, a very obvious power of friendship boost toward the end, but it's anime. Uh, it's fucking yeah. anime. Complaining yeah. about that at this point for a kid show is like, let's face it. You all love it. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah, be yeah, here yeah, on an yeah. anime podcast if you didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And number two, it was almost perfect. I, I have to give it a demerit for one reason. His goddamn Mew-obsessed boyfriend, Go, was not there. Uh, okay, okay to, be fa- okay, to be fair, Go is busy like with his own thing. He... But he's, he's rooting for him in spirit, but he had his own thing to make care of. You gotta be there a person to support your man, man. Here's the question. Is he renewing his contract to be the new protagonist? Oh, yeah, that brings me to point number three. Um, are we about to see the end of the Pokemon anime coming up? I don't think we're going to see the end of the Pokemon anime. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see the end of the anime necessarily, although OLM is supposedly having a lot of productive troubles right now, so that's not entirely off the cards. But I do think, at the very least, we might be seeing the end of Ash's era. To become the world champion and start from zero again would kind of be a little eh. Yeah, it's like there's no goal they can really give him that would be as satisfying as that. I know... Everyone wants to go, oh, well, he hasn't become a master yet. It's like, okay, yeah, but that's fair, but he has always gone for that goal through battling, and, you know, he's not battling now. Anything, anything else you give him is going to look really silly. I, frankly, if you want a great angle to work this in with the new Pokemon Scarlet Violet, make Ash a professor. Yeah, uh, that is quite literally the only way I would want him in next anime. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah. Obviously, this is not aired over here yet. It'll probably show up on Netflix in, like, I don't know, a couple of months. And then you, too, can witness a fantastic battle that um, everybody was uh, 
super enthusiastic over it. Yes, everybody was watching all over the world. Yeah, uh, to which uh, there's only one request, uh, DCP, if you're listening. Look, okay, I know getting the original variant is probably going to be really hard because it's like there's a whole bunch of really complicated music rights with that. If you can at least get the XY variant of Gotta Catch Em All, I will be satisfied. Ugh, God, I... See, now now I'm just thinking about the fucking, uh, just because I was th- I was about to say something about Alejandro, um, they put out a Weeby cover for the uh, Pokemon theme song, and yeah, I definitely cried listening to that, not gonna lie. <laughs> mm. uh, honestly, Alejandro's gonna have, I look forward to hearing the stuff he's gonna do with those, those final moments of that battle, that's gonna be dope. Yeah. Anyways, congratulations, Ash. It. I feel like there's a level of like you know it's nice to see a protagonist take his wins and take his losses. I think Ash hit his point of getting enough losses throughout the years that it actively was satisfying to see the protagonist win, which is a unique strategy from going like. It's the protagonist. You would always assume they win. So playing this game for years where he never quite won, including a couple of scenarios where it was honestly kind of bullshit he lost, kind of makes these wins all the more satisfying when it finally happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, that fucking... I think one of the bullshit losses actually got stomped in, like, the quarterfinals, too, by Leon. Mm. Uh, so, oh, yep. Oh uh, yeah, that was yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> they they <laughs> literally threw lesson. they literally threw him there to get jobbed, which is pretty funny. Yeah, they learned their lesson after last time and the other last time, which we will never talk about ever again. Oh, uh, you mean the one with Darkrai? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm glad that I died. and uh, Kalos and. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we, uh, yeah, we uh, we just joked about Callus. That's the guy who got washed out of my way up. Got funny. it. <laughs> like I said, they learned their lesson, and we never have to talk about those battles ever again. Yeah. Anyways, congratulations to Yash. Now the world is just going to wonder: Is he going to hang up the cat for re- the cap for real or not? <laughs> uh, yeah. We will probably find out what's going to happen with the Pokemon anime going forward uh, next year. Sometime soon. Yeah. All right. So there's that. And well, now we go. Now we're going to go to a different kind of scandal. Oh my God. I actually forgot about this. We don't have anything more on the Katakawa uh, Olympics bribery uh, scandal. Though I'm sure there's bound to be something dropping soon. But we have another scandal in its place to talk about, involving Square Enix. And so we go back to our friends at the Tokyo District Public Prosecutor's Office, as they have arrested two employees of Square Enix on suspicion of insider trading, or uh, buying-slash-selling stock on the basis of non-public information. Ah, lovely. You know, like what half of Congress does. Oh, yeah, it's... And you all know which half I'm talking about, but anyway. This goes back to about November of 2019 with an an individual by the name of Taisuke Sasaki, 
learning that the company Square Enix and Aiming were developing the Dragon Quest Tact smartphone game. And before the announcement of the game, Sasaki and his acquaintance uh, Fubiaki Suzuki purchased 162,000 shares of Aiming for a total of the equivalent of 337,000 US dollars. Jesus. Yeah. However, this is where the sauce gets saucier, as um, there was an update to the story that the second um, individual arrested for this was not uh, Fumiyaki Suzuki, but Yuji Naka. Do you know how fucking long and weird this week has to be that I actually almost forgot the phrase... Yuji Naka, the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog and Balan Wonderworld, got fucking arrested for insider trading? Yeah, appar- apparently, uh, ac- uh, according to uh, FNN Prime Online, a uh, Japanese news site, Naka purchased about 10,000 shares of Aiming Sock for roughly 20,000 US dollars. But that still counts as insider trading, and that's a very, very big red flag, because when it comes to business, you never fuck with the money. How many times do I have to keep saying this? Never fuck with the money! But but think how good it'll be if I don't get caught, Alex. How good will it be if I don't get caught? Nobody will know. Nobody's gonna know. I'm never gonna get caught. I'm never gonna die. I'm gonna be immortal and live forever on my stockpile of money and bitches and condos and cars. Then you release a bad game and you destroy your career in the process. You think Balan Wonderworld's the reason he got arrested? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like Square would have been more likely to defend to like spare him if he made them like a smash hit, but because he kind of made a bomb, it's like that's him, officers. Uh, Give him the book. Give him the maximum sentence. The only good thing Square Enix has done all year was release Live Alive on Switch, and all he did was publish it. God, isn't he suing Square Enix too? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh my god! Oh, that lawsuit's fucking dead, isn't it? <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is uh, very messy indeed. Oof. Man, I gotta... I hope Matt covers Rodea the Sky Soldier at some point on what happened. That, that's what I'm really curious to know the story about. So, um, yeah, the moral of the story is, um, don't fuck with the money. Literally never fuck with the money. Or, instead of giving people more money, you could spend more money on things that are not your employees and your infrastructure and do it on... A Game Boy Color game? (sighs) Well, this is the definition of Vanity Project. Hime's Quest, a quote-unquote long-lost 8-bit adventure game from Crunchyroll, will be available on PC via 
a free browser version thing, I, I guess, and on a admittedly reproduced Game Boy Color cartridge. It will be available through limited run games. Oh boy, have I have I soured on these people lately? I will be real and say I think the, the removed from context. It's it's a cute idea. It's a cute, harmless idea removed from the context. And the people that did greenlight this project and wanted worked on it are not the people responsible for the things we have umbrage with with Crunchyroll. That being said, boy fucking howdy, is it not a good look when No it is not. No, it is not. It it it's this level of like everything else your company is getting flack for and getting heat for, and your response is kinda just to pretend that's not happening. Nobody's talking about it. Be like, hey, cool, look at this cool thing. This Game Boy color limited run thing with our mascot that'll be a free browser game but cool it's he may it's a video game uh, well uh, evidently there will be a cameo by of all people junji ito in this game that that sure sounds like a th- he's probably getting paid good money for his likeness yeah, so, uh, fucking yeah, good for uh, him. Uh, yeah. i mean i know it's kind of terrible but i do appreciate it. i know it's kind of Terrible, but I do kind of appreciate the amount of the, the amount of podcasts where people immediately immediately went. So, uh, is Zach Astro and Calvin Carly going to be the final boss of this game? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, this will also be a Zelda esque hack and slash kind of game. And well, if if any of you out there have a working Game Boy, uh, it's there. You can order it and get it in six months at the ever-so-economical price of $45. This is fucking 45 Ooh. And all you get for it is a limited-run repro cart and a poster. I, I Like, I'm not upset that this exists. Like, I'm not angry about this personally, because, like, I do recognize the people who are working on this are not the reasons... I have shit with Crunchyroll. It's just very unfortunate and is not a great look that this is just kind of one of those things that's piling on. It, it's it's like the, the, the death of a thousand cuts kind of thing. Like, the more shit like this happens, the worse it's eventually going to start feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's neat. The problem is it is kind of neat and it is kind of cute. It just, it's less neat and cute when you throw on context of literally everything else. Yeah, and uh, for what it's worth, I personally have zero interest in paying $45 for for a modern retro game that I could probably find on a browser for free. Which it literally is going to be on a browser for free, yeah. So, uh, if any of you out there want to buy it, go ahead. We're not going to stop you. We are definitely not the market for this for obvious reasons. No. I, I, I could have bought 
a loose copy of Pokemon Silver at the used game store here in Charlotte for $45, but I didn't because, well, let's be honest, once those batteries die, um, I am not good with the soldering gun. I am not going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can still get those uh, games on the 3DS eShop for a few more months. So yeah, um, yeah, that that that's a thing. Now for a good thing, a very good thing indeed, as the English dub of Kaiji will be debuting on High Dive this coming Monday. Oh, thank God it doesn't count for dubbies this year. Fucking thank you. And we also have an English cast uh, listed for the show. Uh, by the way, it will be the first nine episodes. They're doing it in uh, selected chunks. Yep, but not a bad way of doing engagement with this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through the whole cast, but there's a couple of reprisals, at least. Yeah, we do have uh, Jeremy Gee as... Our titular uh, Kaiji, you, know, you may know him as, uh, let's see what I can pull up here, uh, Keiji Akashi in Haikyuu, uh, Shinoji Ryuga in Vermeil and Gold, and let me see if I can find another one here, Seishu Satsome in Food Wars. Cool. I've seen the name, even though I don't have a... Oh, I think he's also the main character, Ryoe Arasu, in the Alice in Borderland OVA. Yes, he is. So he's definitely not a, somebody I recognize their voice, but I've seen their names a few times. This is a good get, and I'm excited to see him play with this one in particular. Mm-hmm. Yep, and as a narrator, uh, fittingly enough, considering the other show attached to this series, is David Wald. Oh, thank God David yeah. Wald's back. He's so fucking good at that. Well, there's a lot of Davids in this cast. Yeah, like uh, David Harbold as Mr. Tonegawa, again, fittingly enough. Good for him. Glad to see him back. And then just briefly going through the remainder of this, because I don't know a lot of these characters from Kaiji offhand, but I'll list these actors briefly. David Matranga, Marty Fleck, Tyler Galindo, Sean Patrick Judge, Gabriel Rigojo, Scott Gibbs, Chris Hutchinson, John Swayze, Bobby Hayworth, Matthew David Rudd, Jay Hickman, Kyle Colby Jones himself, Ty Mahaney, and John Gramillion. Excited to finally see that fucking Kaiji dub, and I know our buddy Patrick is ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Drops on Monday on High Dive, so, uh... Look out for it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now for a couple of uh, offhand uh, announcements, because, well, there was other stuff that got announced uh, during this week. Starting with something that confuses me. Yeah, this is a weird premise. Yeah, it is. It's a a very weird premise for uh, a remake of a fantastic movie from 25 years ago. <laughs> so, coming next year is astoundingly an anime called Liar Liar. Mm. This is the weirdest remake of a Jim Carrey movie I've ever seen. Not only that, 
they're taking a lot of creative liberties with this one, I must say. Because mm -hmm. it's not about a lawyer whose kid wishes for him to start telling the truth. It's about... The premise sounds like it's Classroom of the Elite meets Kaguya-sama. And um not sure if that sounds good. The premise is the Academy Mind Game Romantic Comedy Story is set on the Academy Islands. Oh, sorry. Also Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Where students battle to determine their rankings. Hiroto Shirohara earned the highest ever grade in the school's entrance exam, the toughest in the country. On his first day at the school, he takes down the previous reigning queen, Sarasa Sayoji, and becomes the fastest ever student to join the school's seven stars. Except he didn't really. It's all a lie. Now to maintain his top ranking, he must fight these school mind games with lies and bluffs. He does whatever it takes with the help of the cute cheat maid, Chiroyuki Himeji. And even she is a, a even yeah, okay yeah, yeah anyways sure I guess well here's what I had to say about that the pen is blue the pen is blue the goddamn pen is blue <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, jokes aside, Liar Liar, fantastic movie. I love that movie. Uh, this looks generic, and it's probably not going to be very good. It also looks like it'll be horny. Yeah, uh, apparently there's also a, a manga called uh, Liar X, X Liar. That's, Which is uh, different? Is that a different series? <laughs> Uh, the, the summary of the manga is 20-year-old Minato one day borrows her friend's old high school uniform and goes out of, on the town. Well, while she's out, <clears throat> she bumps into her younger stepbrother Toru. What? Okay, I'm out. What are you doing here, step <laughs> Okay, let's fucking move on. Thank you. Yeah, let us move on. And uh, let's carry on to something that, uh, well, looks a little bit better. We have here, coming in 2023, an anime called Bullbuster, coming to us from everyone's favorite studio. Nut. <laughs> Nut. Nut, indeed. Uh, okay, so... I'm going to repeat a statement I said earlier. So, Nut is working on Bullbuster. I gotta say, this seems like a very interesting project, a very appealing project. The staff and crew they've gotten to work on this seems very strong. And I've been very much a big fan of this studio in particular. I gotta say, Nut has been busting out some big loads all over the place lately. Andrew, go to the corner. I knew that was gonna set me to the corner. I'll let you. I'll be back in a sec. Bye. Sure, I, I'll 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 carry off with this. So, 
Kiryuki Nakao, a uh, film director, according to this A&M piece, and uh, Pix, P-I-C-S, are credited with the planning and original work. Isaku Kobonochi uh, is credited as the character designer, who also worked on the character designs for Carol and Tuesday. Hiroyasu Aoki is directing the series and is in charge of the scripts. And we have Takahisa Katagiri adapting the designs for animation and is also the chief animation director with Junji Okubo as mechanical designer. Uh, let's see here. Young engineer, new robot transferred to industries, company that exterminates harmful animals. Uh... This looks weird. Might have something to do with uh, late stage capitalism. I'm interested. It sounds like a fu- it could be fun. I just need to see more than just stuff. Well, there will be a presentation uh, this week, so we'll probably Excellent. hear more about it then. Excellent. Yeah, uh, we like nuts. We like what they do. They are not busted just yet. Yeah. Who knows? We might have we might have another decadence on our hands. Decadence was good, and they're also doing that Blue Giant movie, which that's also pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. All right. Now at Anime NYC, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, there were some premieres, including the uh, Kaguya-sama Love is War quote-unquote film. And Anaplex, out of the quote-unquote goodness of their quote-unquote hearts, will be bringing it to select theaters over here in February. I would go see this, especially because I've been keeping up with the Japanese, so I don't have to worry about if yep. they will or won't do the dub. I would like to see this in theaters, but I do hope they at least stream the arc in some form like a TV cut or something in the future. Well, apparently it will air on television in Japan after it airs in theaters, so this might be a quote-unquote uh, season premiere because we all know Anaplex is all about that. I'm down for that. Yeah, I like I like Agia. Season three was very good. I'm at this point. It kind of feels like they are committed to doing the whole thing, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, it'll be weird to see a Christmas movie in February, but what can you do? I saw a Christmas movie in March, and then the world shut down. Yeah, here's hoping we can counterbalance that disparity. Here's hoping. All right. Uh, this was also announced at Anime NYC, but we don't have it in there proper because we have other panels to talk about. Fathom Events is bringing Shin Ultraman to theaters here in, in the U.S. on January 11th and 12th. That's pretty cool. I am very curious how the hell they're going to do that and who's localizing it, because I think it's sub and dub too. Very nice. Fathom's interesting. I saw people speculating it might be a Mill Creek thing, but hey, I, it, it might be Mill Creek. I think has like a big license deal with Super Aya for Ultraman, so you never know. 
Either way, this is pretty cool. I'm not the audience for this, but I know people who are ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy for them in particular. Yeah. And also announced at NYC from 11 Arts, uh, they will be bringing the Blue Thermal film uh, over here sometime. They've licensed it, and uh, it looks good. I had not heard of this before, but this sounds like a pretty interesting premise. I'm down to see them bring it over, and it's oh, it's being dubbed by the guy who did Barakamon and Princess Principal. How about that? Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Yeah. And the film will have its premiere at Anime Frontier uh, coming up uh, next week. So, there you go. Interesting way to do company synergy. Be like, we are doing this at the Texas event that's also the same company. Yeah. Also brought to you by Crunchyroll. Yeah, they are a big player in the industry. Like, an actively big one, which makes it more frustrating when they cheap out on shit. Uh, yeah, we know. Alright, and now we come to the main uh, convention rundown portion of well, this program. And we will start with uh, well, I have to play a special bit of music because uh, <laughs> Anime Limited? A winner is you. You came out swinging and well, you you had like honestly, you guys over delivered considering all the stuff you had. So, I had a feeling that Anime Limited having a North American branch was going to come up in a big way in the future, and I feel like having a panel at Anime NYC in the United States of America is a good way to make some interesting power play. So when I saw they had a panel, I thought, this one might be interesting and worth paying attention to. Boy, howdy, was it. So what'd they bring? Well, they brought something interesting uh, for me and, and other people. Soundtracks on vinyl, including ReZero, Dr. Stone, Little Witch Academia, the sh- the soundtrack, not the show. Just getting that yeah. that's fact straight. And Macross Plus Ultimate Edition, which includes the Macross Plus OST, the second Macross Plus OST, the Macross Plus OST Plus for fans only, and Sharon Apple the Cream Puff. That's how it said. And oh my poor wallet is weeping in joy at what will be coming out of this because uh Yoko Kano music for Macross? Uh, yeah. Yeah, your ears are going yeah. to be crying with tears of joy. But yeah, no, those are a couple of good vinyls. Dr. Stone and ReZero got great soundtracks. Little Witch Academia vinyl is great and gives me hope for the show and OVA. Because it says the soundtrack for the show and the OVA, which is exciting. And Macross, that's pretty goddamn cool. Uh-huh. And they also had shows coming out on Blu-ray, which some of these are technically Crunchyroll titles, but I, I guess we have a new sub-partner for... Uh... <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So, all of the things that they announced for home video are going to be re- 
watchable and released in the UK, Ireland, Canada, Canada, <laughs> UK, Ireland, Canada, and the United States. So yeah, all of that- these matter to us too and yes this is potentially another home video partner for crunchyroll because (laughs) okay let's at least mention these first two titles before i go into that tirade yeah to know crunchyroll has too many titles they have to lighten the load somehow but uh yeah we have to the abandoned sacred beasts this was a studio mappa show from the summer of 2019, by the way. So this was one I remembered vaguely, but don't think I ever watched. Uh, I actually did watch that one. Um, it was pre- it was pretty alright. It's basically like, uh, what is the X Men, but in the Civil War, basically. Interesting premise. Mm-hmm. Was it like good? Uh, it was uh, it was uh, it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, Ray Chase played a character that pretty much looked like that, that pretty much looked like Hank, so that was pretty amazing. Alrighty, yeah. So- um, I I I, th- I feel like it's worth noting that. Uh, Miles from Crunchyroll is now Miles from Anime Limited. Yeah, I feel like that's another point in its favor for that. And the other thing we're going to mention is the fact that, yeah, Miles working at Anime Limited is a great in to having a Crunchyroll home video partnership or at least negotiating titles for them to put out on home video because... Crunchyroll has gone for many fucking years without having a goddamn plan of what their home video distribution markets were. And they literally have too many titles, and only till recently were they even putting out things that they got before the merger. Everything that they were putting out under the Crunchyroll home video label... Ooh, I just killed a bug midair. That was fucking dope. <laughs> Oh, where the fuck was I going with this? Oh, uh, everything they've put out since they be- since Funimation became Crunchyroll have all been Funimation carryovers or things they shared up until Platinum End. So I'm almost willing to guarantee you there's a bunch of shit that they just did not have home video deals lined up for. Yeah, uh, including when we will mention it a bit. Oh yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get there, we'll get there. Though uh, one could argue they still don't have a full plan, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, yeah, we, we will talk a little shit, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the second one in this pile is Tony Kawa. This is one I know people are really big fans of. This is a fan-favorite romantic comedy series, and it's getting a new season. I would say this guarantees they'll get season two, but... Ascendance yeah. of a Bookworm Season 3 says otherwise. <laughs> I don't even fucking know! As I said, someone argued they still don't have a full plan and it's set in order because uh, <laughs> we're still waiting on Azekin, guys. Okay, yeah. We still don't know. We're still waiting on Azekin. And guess what, by the way? I made a list, actually, of... During that, like, two to three year period where 
where Funimation and Crunchyroll broke up, but Crunchyroll was putting out their own, like, LA-produced English dubs for titles. I wrote down all the ones that still don't have a home video release yet. I I literally looked up all this stuff. I was like, oh, man. How many of these are actually not out on home video yet? Isekai Cheat Magician. Isekai Cheat Magician. Magical Senpai. If it's for my daughter, I'd even defeat the Demon Lord. High school prodigies have it easy in another world. Didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? The Eighth Son. Are you kidding me? ReZero Season 2. I'm a spider, so what? The Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter. Bungo Stray Dogs Wand. Tokyo Revengers. Two Year Eternity. 86. Don't toy with me, Miss Nagatoro. Odd Taxi. I've been killing slime for 300 years. Welcome to Demon School Irmakun Season 2. Seirei Gensoki. Spirit Chronicles. My Next Life as a Villainous Season 2. Battle game in five seconds the world's finest assassins reincarnated as an aristocrat i gave up on that title the faraway paladin sakugan the strongest sage with the weakest crest love of kill in the land of lee dale and orient that is 27 titles that are not guaranteed to come out on home video and could come out from anime limited it could come out from sentai it could come out from viz it could come out from fucking I don't know, media blasters at this point. They don't have a fucking plan! <laughs> even uh, when they have a full... Even when they absorbed a full physical partner that has a home video department, they have too many titles in their collection that they don't actually have the capacity to release and do things with, even the ones they paid extra money to dub. Even the ones that are co-productions! Tonikawa, Over the Moon for You, is a Crunchyroll original! Oh, uh, you forgot the funniest part of this whole thing. Uh, he's a, uh, that they're having trouble with this, even though they acquired an online, an online retailer. Oh god, you're right! They even acquired right stuff, and they still don't have a fucking plan! Okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. That, um, that is a discussion for another time. All right, I'm done talking shit now. All right, uh, the third one in the list is something that came out in the UK back in 2017, but will now be coming over here for the first time uh, soon. Tokyo Marble Chocolate. I have no opinion on this, but this looks cute, and I'm glad that we are getting another uh, title that was previously just a UK thing, getting a US release with a nice collector's edition. All all of the things we talked about are going to get collector's editions, too, which I actually hear their collector's sets are pretty nice. They are very nice. I have several of them here. All right. Yes. Remember, I have the gigantic uh, Gurulagon and Escaflone sets. They are... uh... Quite nice, and also very, very big and heavy. But then there is the fourth and last one. A place further than the universe. (gasps) What? What are the language options? Well, I have good news, and I'm just going to turn my volume down before I say this. There's an English dub. <gasps> Boy. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. I, I'm I'm pretty satisfied about that. I gotta say, I'm um, uh, that's 
pretty good. That will give more people the possibility to see that show and get to watch it. And I can't even fucking keep this bit going. This fucking rules! That's why I turned my volume down. My fucking god. That was a very good choice. Yes. This will be getting an English dub produced at Studio Nano. And said dub actually premiered at Anime NYC last weekend. This was literally the thing that made me... Like, the entirety of everything else that was there at the convention this year was like, okay, all right, that could have been cool. But whatever. This was the one I was like, fuck! Fuck! I'm actually upset I didn't go this year because I didn't know this was going to be a thing and I didn't know they were going to prepare it. Oh my fucking Christ. Yeah, and we have our leads. Uh, Okay, so our... Okay, sorry, I need another bit. This was the white whale. This was the one I've wanted for years. Since 2018. I've been waiting for this for over four years now. And it's probably going to be five years before I can actually watch this. This is a big fucking deal. This is a fantastic show. And let's talk about who got cast in this dub. Yes, so as Mari, we have one Xanthi win. That is a very strong choice for Mari. Xanthi uh, is a cute, is very great actress, great at playing these kinds of characters, puts a lot of life into roles like this. This is a great one to do. Yep. As Shirase, am I saying that right? Uh, Shirase, Shirase, we won't know until the dub pronounces it. Okay. We have Erica Mendez. That is a really interesting choice, but that's a great choice. Erica Mendez can put a lot of life into Shirase because Shirase is a ton of fun. She seems like she's kind of like an ice queen, ironic for the show, but no, she's actually pretty goofy and weird and... Erica Mendez can bring all sides of her to life. I'm actually going to ask we come back to who plays Hinata and go back to Yuzuki first. Okay, as Yuzuki, we have Amelie. Uh, Amelie, fantastic choice for the uh, for the uh, young actress herself, uh, Yuzuki. Uh, she's great, a ton of fun. Uh, Amelie would do this role well. And as Hinata, Kaylee Mills. I needed to come back to Kaylee Mills because Kaylee Mills has been wanting this and has been saying this is her favorite anime for years. She posted a fun little thread telling about her story for this one for years. Basically talking about the fact that it was one of her favorite animes when she finished it back in 2018 a comment she made in June of 2021 replying to Crunchyroll saying and I quote dub it you cowards a tweet I literally like 
I literally had to take a step back because that's something I would tweet at Crunchyroll. That's something chat would tweet at Crunchyroll. Alex, that's something you would tweet at Crunchyroll. This was a professional voice actress in the industry in a reply to Crunchyroll saying, Dump this anime, you cowards. And that's really fucking funny that several years later, she booked the role of Hinata. Her favorite uh, character in the show, and a great one. This is also how I found out she got to write half of the episodes of the dub, because the dub director, Michelle Rojas, literally asked if she wanted to write it. Kaylee was like, I I might be a bit busy, actually. I'm not sure I could do it. And Michelle literally just went to them and was like, Dude, are you sure? I don't think you're going to want to turn this one down when I tell you what it is. And then Kaylee was like, Oh my fucking God, yes, I'm doing this. I'm fucking doing this. And she even posted a fucking cosplay pic, and that is now her header on Twitter. If anybody deserves the fucking win, it is Kaylee Mills. Fucking good on her. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we have additional cast members. Uh, Daisy Guevara, Cassandra Lee Morris, Kate Elizabeth, Morgan Luray, and Christina Valenzuela. With uh, Michelle Pennington, says here, producing the dub at Studio Nano. So I had to actually look that up. Apparently, Michelle Pennington is Michelle Rojas's uh, maiden name. Ah, got it. Okay. I was confused about that myself. I'm like, is that a new person? It's like, no, no, no. That's Rojas's maiden name. Not 100% sure which one they prefer, but either one works, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, we have no timetable for this or any other releases, Uh, but these are confirmed to be released stateside along with the UK and Ireland. So, you know, We'll know at some point when these will come out. I think currently the plan is 2023, and that's a pretty loose release window. Because it sounded like their North American press release newsletter said all of these titles and the previously announced home video ones will be coming out in 2023. So I even if I have to wait a little bit longer, knowing this exists... And knowing that this English dub is happening in great hands and all of the people they have cast to to play these characters are fascinating, great, inspired choices. I have so much faith in everybody who has attached to this project. I'm so goddamn excited. And I can't wait to finally own an anime limited collector's edition that will that I won't have to buy a Regent fl- free Blu-ray for. <laughs> Everybody keeps telling me to buy one. I don't want to yet, but this is a big, 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 big step into the North American market, and what a way to make an impression. I mean, for what it's worth, I bought mine several years ago. <laughs> I'm still stubborn, but either way, I, I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can still find them somewhere there. There, but uh, the point yeah. is, I don't have to buy a region fleet free blue wire. This is going to be viewable and purchasable in the U.S. and Canada as well. And you mm-hmm. 
bet your ass as soon as that pre-order goes up. It is mine. I'm also assuming their collector's editions are relatively reasonable. I'm going to guess somewhere in the in the vein of like 70, 80. Depends on the, it depends on the title, depends on how much stuff is in there. I can tell you, uh Escaflone and Gurren Lagon cost me uh I'm trying to remember how much I paid for. I think I paid Somewhere in the range of 150 to 200 for him. Beefy, okay. I don't but think... Then, but, yeah, but then there are some, like, uh, Bacchino that I paid maybe 50 or 60 for. I feel like none of these releases are going to exceed, like, $100, yeah, is they, my they, guess. They sound reasonable. Uh, and yeah, I looked it up on my Amazon account. I bought my region-free region Blu-ray player in September of 2014. But yes, I will say I've been kind of waiting for the anime limited shoe to drop. It feels like the writing's been on the wall for a few months now (laughs) for them to make like a big debut for home video in the U.S. market because they've been making a lot of money doing vinyl releases. But it felt like there was it was only a matter of time before they might either start licensing movies or like putting out home video sets for our market too and this is a big big showing several Crunchyroll titles including commissioning a dub for a regularly requested fan favorite yeah uh, yeah that's cool yeah. that's pretty cool this is pretty great but I am going to once again mention the fact that, yes, A Place Further Than the Universe was a Crunchyroll co-production and was on several people, including the New York Times Best Anime of 2018 list. Uh-huh. And they just said on it. And they did fucking nothing. Nothing! Uh, yeah, that's uh, but yeah, I'm not complaining now that, like, there's a happy ending to this. But I will point out the fact that, like, they did nothing with this because they had no plan and they still kind of don't have a plan. Co-productions and originals can go to whoever is going to give them a distribution payment. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad Anime Limited is a really... Stepping into the North American game, but real, yeah, so, uh, real curious uh, what else they've gotten sore. Uh, just because it's on my mind. Uh, I mean, so every day, I mean, babe, they've got the Blu-ray in other markets. Uh, so why not bring the Pegador movies over here? Someone has to. Someone has to have them. I think we're at this point where that's not even off the table anymore. It is certainly not off the table. <laughs> Look, somebody yeah. has to have them. Yeah, I I can tell you as somebody who has been in the know of this company for many years, they're very good people. They make high quality releases. You will get your money's worth. So yeah, um, especially the place further than the universe set that is a day one must buy. But the irony is going to I will the dub of this stream on Crunchyroll. I'm going to be honest, uh, probably not. It, it 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 depends on the details. We'll, we'll we will we will cross that bridge when we when we meet it. We will. I I will be optimistic and say 
it's possible but like the kimono friends dub which is a fucking banger by the way um is still not streaming on crunchyroll the uh, could they co-produced that show by the god god they have no fucking plan they have no fucking plan they have they they think they have a plan now for their current shows but anything that's like the backlog they have no idea what they're working with <laughs> and so we move on from them to sentai and high dive for their panel in which they announced uh things they did announce things yes quite a good bit yes they announced that uh Suriname season two the linking shot will be coming to them next year uh did in january in fact ah okay along with the uh recap film Suriname the first shot coming to select theaters next year Serene was one of those shows i've always heard kind of went under the radar as as far as like kyo fair but like I know people who absolutely adored Surine and everything about it sounded really appealing. So I'm very happy I'm very happy Sentai and High Dive were able to pick up the second season. That's pretty good. And I look forward to that. Um yeah, I watched the first season for Dev Talk. I had a pretty solid time with it, so I'll probably watch the second season. Uh, they also announced coming coming 2023 is Kubo Won't Let Me Be Invisible, another show starting in the winter season. So, so this one surprised me because this is actually a this is a romantic comedy manga I and some other people really enjoy, and I was very intrigued about this because this is a Shueisha one, uh, but yeah. the anime is katakawa i was going to add that caveat don't worry yeah this that's, is a katakawa was, produced thing was, oh no that's not where i was going that i was going to go with like this is a Jota jump plus thing it's like when was the last time that i got a Jota jump thing it's been like it's been a while yeah so that that in itself is pretty interesting but this is a good romantic comedy i'm very happy to see they grabbed this one for the winter season i excited because I like I like the work Studio Pine Jam's been putting out and I think this manga's really cute. To answer your question, I think that would have been Haikyuu. So oh, yeah, a long time. Yeah, so we'll we'll come back to that thought by the way. Yeah. Also before that might have been uh Mizaka Box, but you know, whatever. God, how long has it been since that anime? Ten years. Uh, I mean I like that series the manga, not the anime, but yeah. Okay. Uh, they they had a premiere at their uh, they had a premiere there for Giant Beast of Ours, a co-production they announced at Anime, anime Weekend Atlanta. God, can I say Anime Weekend Atlanta one time? As I've said in the past, I'm not particularly interested in the show. I'm more interested at what the prospect of High Dive co-productions is going to mean in the future. It means they have more of that Saul Goodman money. I think this one was potentially in the works before that, but I think Saul Goodman money is going to guarantee more co-productions for them in the future. Yep. It certainly will. So they got some classy stuff. And now let's go to absolute uh, fucking debauchery. Let's get deep in the trash pile, because yes, also starting in the winter is 
My life as Inukai-san's dog. I would like to congratulate Katrina Leandikes. Oh, God, I botched her name. I would like to congratulate uh, translator Katrina, who was literally like, God, this show looks awful. Please let me work on this. And then the news came out, and she was so excited. And then she's like, several days later, Twitter's dying. No one will see how badly I want to be the translator for this. And then several days later was like, guess what, guys? <laughs> I'm happiest for her in particular. I hope she has fun with this. I'm not fucking touching this show. Oh my god, am I not fucking touching no. this show? And, and this comes to us from Studio Quad, whose only other production was Miss Kuroitsu from the Monster Development Department. God, I'm just reading this fucking thread Katrina did. But Katrina, you're a feminist. You took all those glasses on the objectification of women in film and could barely get through the start of there's a scene where a high school girl gets a simulated blowjob to a dog chail. But Katrina, how can you enjoy the show specifically built around a heterosexual male's wet treat? There's a scene where three high school girls try to get a dog to fondle their breasts. But there's a scene where a high school girl puts the dog's bone in front of her underwear and we watch from the dog's POV as the dog, who is actually a high school boy in the body of a dog, bites the bone and pulls it out of her underwear. This is the this is the level of debauchery we are working with for this one, folks. Y'all need to know. Be an informed viewer for that show in particular. Y'all motherfuckers need Jesus is what you need. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Okay, moving on. Uh, another show that is coming to us in... Uh, this one's what? just 2023. There's just, no okay, current Just 2023. The Dangers in My Heart. So, High Dive is specifically getting W's from for my buddy Crimson in particular who eats this good romantic comedy shit for breakfast so getting Kubo and getting this one are pretty big wins in particular I don't actually know who's working on this one but I've actually heard really good things about this manga and I'm down for cute romantic comedy shit uh going through the thread going through the thread uh we also had Endo and Kobayashi Live, the latest on the Sirene villainous Lee Selot, coming in 2023. Winter. This one's another winter title. Another winter show. Okay. Uh, this one, I'm told the premise is that it's literally two people playing video, playing like an Otome video game, but their commentary gets sent to the brain of like the prince guy. And the prince is basically a giant, like, dumbass himbo who, and leaves a lot, is like this giant Sundere villainous. And then him trying to communicate stuff to, like, make sure she doesn't get the bad end to save her life. But the guy they're trying to t communicate to is very sweet, but very dumb. Hi, Jinx Asu. Sure premise intrigues me i'm also just now noticing that like the pictures they're taking there's a guy in the david martinez cosplay good for him yep this next one's also winter 2023 too yeah uh spy classroom they've got it coming in the winter we uh yeah 
I don't know much about this. I know people were excited about this one in particular, so I will say worth keeping an eye on. I have a thought, but I'll get to that at the end. Okay. Yeah, they uh, announced Lupin Zero is coming to High Dive. We talked about that last time. Uh, they re-announced Ragnar Crimson coming next year. And then they announced that they have Oshinoko. This one's a real interesting surprise, but that's a big get, actually. This yeah, is a weird title, get. and it's a fan favorite, and it's from, like, the Scum's Wish artist and the Kaguya-sama author, and the anime's being done at Dogakobo, and it's produced by Ka- This is another Shueisha Jump Plus thing, but Yen Press got the manga, and the anime is being produced by Kadokawa, which if there is one thing that is very clear to me about this high dive panel in particular is that their relationship with Kadokawa is very healthy now. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Because Kubo, Kubo won't let me be invisible, spy classroom, and Oshi no Ko in particular are all Katakawa grabs. Yep. Say what you will about the company. When it comes to business, once the name is signed, that that's all you really gotta focus on. Just keeping those connections happy. That's the vibe I've always got from High Dive and Sentai, is that I get the impression that they have better business relationships than like Funimation and Crunchyroll did in some regards. The problem is at some point they didn't always have the money to back up those business relationships. Yeah, pretty much. And now they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's good to have a little bit more capital. And for all of you looking forward to the Oshinoko anime when it premieres next year, be ready for a 90 minute pilot episode. Oh my god, I actually did forgot that they were doing a 90-minute pilot. Oh man, that's going to be interesting. Also, this ob- this is pretty obvious and goes without saying. I've mentioned it before, and I think they know it. They definitely do need to increase their studio space and staff for dubbing, because it is very clear three to four directors is not sustainable with the current amount of titles they're getting and the current high demand for stuff to be dubbed and localized. I know that's going to take some time, but it's definitely going to continue to be more and more of an issue as they get more and more notable titles. That being said, fucking great showing on High Dive in particular. These are there's a couple of really strong gets and also dog porn in there. Mm-hmm. But mostly strong gets. Oshinoko yeah. and Kubo make me very happy in particular. And I'm glad they got Surine as well. Yep. Healthy composition is good for everybody because it means uh you all know what it means. So, uh, how much do you think the Japanese side hates the fact that the Crunchyroll bought Funimation thing? 
I'm sure there are some people who are annoyed at that, but uh, we must now talk about Crunchyroll because, yes, at their own convention, they had a panel and they talked about some of the stuff that they have for next year. I, I want to mention the fact that I was like, okay, I was going to look up, okay, who's at the panel that I can, like, who's live tweeting the panel so I can pay attention to what they announced. Somebody fucked up and posted all the trailers an hour early. <laughs> like, the panel was at 3.30, and, like, I think the original plan was to upload these at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, because that would be when the panel is done and all the news will start to be coming out, and that's when they would go up on the YouTube channel. Somebody literally uploaded all of the trailers, which was all of the announcements as the panel started. So I literally saw those all on my YouTube ch- page, and I was like, okay, cool, I can go back to doing stuff. I know what they got now, cool. <laughs> I think someone forgot to turn their clock back an hour. Yeah, we're working with Texas and LA people in New York City. That would do it. Yep, that would do it. So let's just go through the stuff that they will be bringing to all of us next year, starting with Hell's Paradise Shigokuraku, a.k.a. Jesus fucking Christ, Mappa. Finish one project before starting another one for once. In fairness, they did announce this one, like, well over a year ago. Yeah, they announced this at Jump Festa last year. Still a pretty exciting get, and this is a manga I am actually... I have yet to read, but I really do want to check out this anime, and this is a this is a very good grab for them. What interests me about this is that they got the Twittering Burst Never Fly director to work on this. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there is some good uh, non-sexual action in that movie, but it's an interesting pick. Jet, don't they literally bone to charge their powers in this? And which one? Hell's Paradise. Oh, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yep, that is in huh. fact a thing. So okay. yes, it, the, the the resume was probably noted there. But um, yeah, I'm uh, pretty in, I'm uh, pretty interested in that. It is. Yeah, I get. I mean, it is not quite that insane, but I feel like the best description would be one of Chainsaw Man in feudal Japan, but also Annihilation. It's also worth noting the fact that Yuji Kaku was once an assistant for Tatsuki Fujimoto. So if you are like the author of Assassination Classroom and are getting sick and tired of everybody literally trying to rip off Fujimoto's style... The best people equipped to know Fujimoto's style and get it right are those who work directly under him. So let that be your selling point for Hell's Paradise in that this is a man who has worked very closely with Tatsuki Fujimoto and gets his particular eccentricities. Mm-hmm. Okay then. Uh, keep, an eye, keep an eye out for it. So that's a good grab for Crunchyroll in particular, even after all the shit we talk about MAPPA. Yes. I'm still excited. And we will continue to talk about them because, as I said, Jesus fucking Christ, I've finished one project before starting another one. They have an isekai coming out this January, by the way. Fuck. Look, I, I don't care what project it is. Just finish Attack on Titan. 
Finish Garo. Finish that fucking Uranice movie. Just finish something before moving on to another project for once. Mm, I don't want to do nah. that. But there's another shortage of series they can adapt. Uh, uh, finish Pluto for fuck's sake. Why don't you? Okay, they have nothing to do with Pluto anymore. Uh, uh, okay, okay, look, okay, look, their name is probably okay. Look, it's probably like this. It's one. Of the, it's really like you know. It's really like you're doing a project and someone else takes credit for it. That's probably what's gonna happen with Pluto. M2 M2 does all the work. Mappa's name is the water, so everyone praises Mappa when that comes out. Anyways, uh, congrats. I will give Mappa props for one thing, and I will be very earnest about this. They did not cower out with the thing I was afraid they were going to cower out. They, in fact, doubled down by showing the puking in a loop in the episode ED for Chainsaw Man. I also love that I just got sent a screenshot of a bunch of people reacting on YouTube literally traumatized. Uh, this was the thing I've been waiting for people to see uh, adapted for months, and yes, it is very gross. Yeah, very gross indeed. Okay. Anyways, moving help Al Ties look lower to it. Okay, moving on. Uh, it may have taken like five or six years, but season two of the Ancient Magus Pride is finally happening in the spring. I really liked The Ancient Magus Bride. I still have yet to get to those OADs, but I quite enjoyed the universe of Ancient Magus Bride, and this is going to be covering the uh, college magic school arc stuff. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. <clears throat> okay, I, I just saw the, the, the thumbnails here, and... Um, would you like me to delete it? I never thought I would see something that would top the scene in the first episode of Angel Cop of the woman getting quite literally her brains and eyeball blown out. But there we go. Uh, like, Tatsuki Fujimoto has a very dark, sick sense of humor. Like, that is, like, one of the most morbid and, like, <coughs> shocking. Like, sometimes humor is shocking in, like... <coughs> Delete it, please. Okay. Thank you. Ugh. Gag reflex. All right, we will stop talking about the thing. All right, moving on, moving on. Uh, Ma Magus Pride, I'm very excited. I love Chisei, I love Magus Pride. Let's get more of that, please, <clears throat> and thank you. Yes, okay. Next up, also coming in the spring, is Yuri is My Job. So this is a Yuri series. This is very much the premise is like, it's like a girl's school, and there is basically like, a Yuri, a Yuri cafe, where it's basically it's like the cafe girls, like instead of like maid girls and all that, they're like very gay with one another as part of the performance. But the actual thing is like uh, off the clock, the girls do not like the main couple do not care for each other, or it's got it's basically kind of like doing a performance thing for the people, and then it's like, oh, yuck, I don't care for you, you you kind of suck. Which is an interesting, fun premise of being like, oh, people think you're an item, but then it's like, oh no, they're actually not a thing at all. Which is going to make it all the more hilarious once you idiots do fall for each other. 
I'm all for Yuri. I'm glad Crunchyroll's got a Yuri thing. Uh, David Wald and or Emily Fajardo or Marissa Lenti and Sound Cadence. Poor Fubor. Okay, cool. And now we have a show coming to us in January. Uh, the Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague. A cool concept bogged down by the fact that it's a freaking straight-ass office rom-com. I mean... <sighs> look, I'm I'm down for, like, the straight rom-com stuff. And from what I hear, my rom-com guy says this one's a good one. So I will take it. So I'm excited to check this one out. I just want something a little more... more, you know? Gay? Not necessarily. Just give me something a little more than, the, than you know, the bottom floor. What is the bottom floor in this one? Basic. Right. I don't know. This one's, this one's a cute premise, yeah. and I like what I'm seeing of it. Alright, well, uh, also coming to us in the spring. I wish this was in... Release order, but whatever. Uh, Dead Mount Death Play. Um, okay, we need to talk about this one, actually. I actually what, what, have... What even is this? Here's what this one is, Alex. This is the new series from the Bacano and Durarara author. That's why you should keep this one on your radar. So why did they give the SAL Alicization Guide directing the directing job for this? Oh, okay, so that's the other part of this. Okay, so on the one hand, I'm a big fan of Ryogo Naruto as a writer. I really think he's a fantastic writer, does some pretty unique stories, settings, incredible cast ensemble writing with interesting premises and fun character dynamics that excite me. I think this is probably going to be a very interesting watch in that it's probably going to be written in a way that intrigues me or catches my attention, even though it does on the surface look pretty generic and I'm going to be real. I'm not a hundred percent sure they got their best people on this one. I, I don't think Manabu Ono is a bad choice. Cause I know we, we talk shit about SAO. I don't think SAO was badly directed but 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 also SAO is SAO analysisation has a couple of choice moments when it comes to the more explicit material that wasn't always handled tactfully yeah like Uh, Alex I'm giving benefit of the doubt here and I'm going somewhere yeah I mean mean, it is worth doing it because uh, some of that material was uh, not they really ripped from the white novels. So, uh, and they kept doing it. What's the point? So, so, okay, so, okay, yeah, the point, yeah, the point is that is that, okay, the point is that does make the choice of director here mildly concerning. But, uh, the other thing I'm also a little concerned about is I, I, Geek Toys is, uh, they're a studio. This guy also did the CG Sakura War show from two years ago okay so here's where i'm at with dead mount death play i think the premise is interesting and i have confidence in ryogo naruto's work as a author and storyteller 
to absolutely have this one on my radar. But I'm not going to pretend and say that the staff and studio choice don't at least make me a little bit nervous. Nor that if I didn't know this was Naruto writing this, I wouldn't look at this trailer and think this looked pretty generic edge. The trailer does give off a very generic edge feel. I'll say that much. I'm not denying that. That's why I'm co- my feelings of this one are conflicted. Yeah, also, uh, the colors in this trailer are just so very bland. Like, th- there's no vibrancy to it. It's just dark pastels all over the place with a few tinted hues. It's just, it does not look good. Naruto is really carrying a lot of my excitement for this one. I'm not going to lie. I just hope it at least, at, I hope it elevates my expectations a little more because right now my first impressions just off of the production and trailer are a little shakier than I would particularly like I still am intrigued to watch it god speaking of shaky I guess we should talk about this next one oh yeah next one here coming in sometime next year is Ayaka a story of bonds and wounds so, hey guys, you remember K Project? Yes. You remember Gohans? Vaguely. Okay, guess what? This is from like the creative minds of the K Project without Studio Gohans. Um, yeah. Uh... Uh, yeah, it is. It definitely has the style, but uh, it's missing. Uh, but it's missing, you know, that lovely color palette that just makes you want to die. It's missing the the <laughs> color palette and that like camera that literally makes you want to throw up. So it may or may not make this one a adequate six or seven out of ten instead of a hilarious "What the fuck were they doing?" title because of that. Uh, man, it really is amazing how, like, their cynic was fine for K, and then it just kept going downward after that. These characters have very variations of the Kirito haircut, and that does not instill confidence in me. I mean, those are just, like, anime guy hair things, I don't know. Precisely. Generic is all hell. I'm not saying I'm particularly excited about this one, I just feel it's interesting to give the context that this is effectively a project by the people who made K without the studio that's falling apart as we speak. Uh, so, oh, so, oh huh, I didn't see Red Deer's Wizard. That's what I said. That's interesting. Uh, Red Juice? Uh, so, uh, so, uh, notably, they did like uh, music and character designs for like Guilty Ground and stuff like that. Oh, so, an Empire uh, of Corpses. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, like, you know, the that you know, like the what they anyone really remembers about Guilty Crown or actually white. <laughs> but yeah, this is being done at yeah. Studio Blanc instead of uh, Gohans, which I believe that's the studio that did uh, Life Lessons with Uramichi. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, you know, that's reasonable. I mean, does Gohans still exist at this point? I think at this point, it's basically only a matter of time before we see the uh, went bankrupt one. <laughs> 
And our last one here is yet another step closer towards Isekai Singularity. Saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement. I guarantee you that the way this article was formatted, this was not the way they introduced these titles. Because this is not a show you end on. They probably ended on Hell's Paradise. Mm-hmm. So this is another Isekai premise... This one's notable because to me because this was one of the titles licensed by Soul Press that died, and then Kodansha actually managed to pick this one up. Mm. Looks cute enough. Main girl seems spunky and fun. I'm morbidly intrigued, but nothing about it right now is jumping out at me. This and the cool guy, ice cool guy, are going to be in January. Almost everything else they've announced is actually for spring. Hmm. Except maybe Hell's Paradise, because that's still just TBA 2023. But while, like, High Dive was announcing a bunch of stuff for winter, they spent most of it announcing spring, because they announced a shit ton of stuff for winter already. Yeah. (laughs) But as far as uh, this uh, particular isekai adventure goes, I only have one thing to say about it. Well, yeah, so this at least doesn't look terrible as far as Crunchyroll's other isekai offerings. Like, this at least has an identity. There is also the Ice Blade Sorcerer Shall Rule the World, the reincarnation of the strongest exorcist in another world, and reborn to master the blade from a hero king to extraordinary squire which are all in January and all licensed by Crunchyroll alongside the saving 80,000 gold in another world for my retirement. Uh, And there's still more unclaimed isekai or isekai-adjacent shows in the form of apparently disillusioned adventurers will save the world, handyman Saito in another world, farming life in another world, Campfire cooking in another world with my absurd skill and the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady, which that one's a Yuri. Uh, well, God. And that's not even counting the sequels of stuff like Boof Bofuri and Dan Machi. Uh, it was like, uh, the eventual, <sighs> eventually the industry will power to be this guy. Eventually. Well, yeah, that was a a slate. Yeah, Crunchyroll got a couple of titles I'm actually pretty excited for. I'm definitely excited for uh, The Yuri is My Job, Hell's Paradise, Ancient Magus Bride Season 2, and yes, even still Dead Mount Death Play, even if, if I'm a little shaky on the first impression the anime staff has given me. And so we move on to Yen Press, who just so happens to be sponsoring Anne's anime NYC coverage. Hey, good for them. How convenient that they're both subsidiaries of Katakawa. Yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, and they announced... uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah, they announced a lot of fucking titles. I, I won't say they got any one thing that made me go, holy shit! Like when they announced, like, Oshinoko and Shy. Yeah. 
but they got a lot of good stuff and variety in this in this slate. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. And so we start with their manga slate. Sao progressive uh, schism of deep night or whatever. I don't care. It's another manga version of the Sao progressive series, which is the revised version of the Einkrad arc. And Alex wants me to stop talking about Sao, so I will. And now we want the next one here, Yokohama Station SF. This one actually looks pretty interesting. All Hiroto has ever known is the life of a tiny coastal speck on Japan. Much of the country has been swallowed by Yokohama Station, a mysterious, ever-growing series of buildings that's been around for as long as anyone can remember. The few who live outside its many entrances has never seen inside and know only rumors and legends. That all changes when Hiroto is given an 18 ticket, a mysterious item that lets him enter the massive complex for five days. The young man has always sought a purpose, but the one he finds may be not the sort he'd hoped for. This sounds like Eldridge meets urban horror. That'd be interesting. And that's kind of fascinating. It's like what if what if like an Eldridge horror thing was a fucking urban setting? That's actually pretty intri- intriguing. I'm gonna keep that one on my radar. Okay. And now we have here, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in the dungeon Memoria Freeze? Because, yes, there is a lot to this series. I'm going to guess this is a spinoff of Dimachi, and I'm sure people like it. It's a girl with heterochromia and uh, horns, which, that's cool. I'm always down... I had to stop myself there. I was about to say, I'm all, always down for horny girls. I'm like, wait, 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 Andrew, back that one up. Back you said that it one anyway. Up. You know what to do. I know. I just had to explain it. Oh, hey, I just mentioned this one. Yeah, we also have Handyman Saito in Another World. Woo. What This one seems like a fun premise, but I don't know if it's better or worse than some of the other ones or what its policy on slavery is. Yeah. Yeah, it's an easy guy. Next. It, it, Next. It sounds fun. I'll check it out, maybe. Next, we have a reincarnated witch spells doom. On her 18th birthday, Shudden Seneshirai gathers her resolve and steps out into the world for the first time in a long while, only to be hit by a truck. Surprise, Next. Isekai, motherfucker! Next! Reborn Next. as a witch in another world, she's able to master only two spells, explosion and destruction. With the nearby villagers fearful of her power, she resigns herself to an isolated life once more. That is until a mysterious boy collapses on her doorstep. Female-oriented isekai. Next! Ooh, this one excites me. Yes, we have here something worthwhile for once. Opera Ranman, a.k.a. Uh, late 1800s anime... Uh, cannonball run. I think it was 1900s, actually. Okay, or 1900s. I forget which era it was, but... Uh, they, yeah. they had <laughs> steam power cars. It had to be, like, early 1900s. So, yeah. This is very good. It's a very good show, and it's got a manga, too. So now Yen Press has it, which is pretty cool. 
All right, let's see how I can get through this next one without falling asleep. Oh my god, okay. I want to be a receptionist in this magical world. Ever since she was littler, Nunnally has always wanted to be one of the graceful, capable receptionists of the hall. As only top-rate mages are accepted to position, she rolls in the kingdom's magic academy to hone her skills. <laughs> Hell, out a place amid a classroom of nobles, including genuine prince. She decides that being a commoner, she's gonna be. But uh, that's not much more in the seat next to her. Alice Rockman. Alice Rockman. Okay, wow. So between Rockman and Nunnally, this is like getting a speed record for like. I was suffering not getting lawsuits. God. I can't be airman. <laughs> Alright, next up here. Magical Girl Incident. As a little boy, Sakura Hiromi once dreamed he could be a hero. Now he's simply your everyday office worker toiling away for his company. Though he longs for his childhood dream, it seems so far out of reach, until he decides to step up and save a child one fateful day. Suddenly, fantasy becomes reality as Hiromi finds himself transformed into a magical girl. Oh, so this is a manga about that one character from Magical Girl Racing Project. Okay, cool. All right. I'll I'll put this as cautiously optimistic as far as my interest. Okay. And now we have a uh, manner of death. These boys look like they want to kill and or fuck each other. Perhaps both, although I'm not sure about the order. The order doesn't matter as long as the act is done. Ugh. When the skilled coroner, Dr. Bunikit, is called to examine the body of his childhood friend after her suicide, he soon determines that she was actually moited. That night, a mysterious stranger threatens him, telling him to rule her death a suicide. And after he confides in his prosecutor friend after the incident, that friend suddenly goes missing. But all hope's not lost, as a young lecturer named Tan offers to help get to the bottom of this, which would be more reassuring if Tan weren't the prime suspect. Oh, so it's Hannibal. Sure. All right. I guess. I don't know. All right. Next is what this world is made of. What I'm made of. God damn it. I got Sonic songs on the brain again. After losing everything, the Nakata brothers find a mysterious app that offers a chance to make large sums of money. But are they ready for danger they must now face? The deadly monster known. <laughs> <laughs> Just a story about how FTX uh, fucks a lot of people over. I fucking love anime. The deadly monsters known as worlds. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love. I love. Oh. Okay, so it's not the world run by Neo Brando. Oh, jeez. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. All right. We also have here something called Me and My Beast Boss. 
In a world where beast folk are thought to be superior to humans, human office worker Saki Oki struggles to remain afloat in a company where she is belittled and tormented by her beast folk colleagues and superior. Oh god, is this going to handle racism? With okay, and, and so when she is called into the CEO's office, she's prepared for the worst. But instead of firing, he acknowledges her hard work and makes her his private secretary. She's delighted by his phrase, but could this really be the only reason her heart is racing so fast? Uh, okay that one i'm gonna chalk under a little dubious on regards of oh are we dealing with racism where people are the minority okay yeah i mean at least it's not another omega verse series i mean they are literally beasts alex true but we're not using those specific terms fair enough all right, next is my dear cursed casting vampires. The world's full of vampires. <laughs> 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 Supernatural creatures who drain the blood from humans without mercy, fighting such beings is the foundation of Izuku Osaka's life. But humanity is losing the war, desperate times call for desperate measures, so Izuku seconds out to strike a deal with a powerful vampiress whose beauty drives all who gaze upon her insane in the hope of protecting his friends. Okay, fight societies, befriend a vampire, maybe fuck a vampire. Alright. Okay. Uh, and then we also have the essence of being a muse. Somebody fill my emptiness. The day I was rejected from art school, everything that was special about me died. That's why I have no choice. Since I'm back to being ordinary, I'll go to the job my mom decided on while wearing the clothes she picked for me so I can find what my mom calls happiness alongside somebody she can boast about trapped in a never-ending cycle of what if and too bad all the while. Okay, this sounds depressing. Uh, so, okay, so on the one hand, like, that does sound like an interesting setup. On the other hand, uh, don't think about it, seems a bit too on the nose with that description. So that I, I'm, I'm not going to fault the description for this one, but my immediate thought is, wow, this sounds depressing. It does. Your dreams are my dreams are broken and I am conceding. Please give me something to live for is one of those. Ooh, that could be either really interesting or really oof. Hopefully not an oof. Hopefully not an oof. Yeah. Alright. Uh we also have Figarashi when they cry go, the manga. Neat O. Yep, neato indeed. And now we have what I am sure is going to be Game of the Year at the Game Awards, because of course it will be. Elden Ring, The Road to the Erd Tree. I've been seeing images of this manga for a while now, and this one is like a bona fide like, shitpost. It's, it's very strange, but very amusing, actually. I've seen some choice some very choice panels on this one in particular. So, hey, glad that Yed's got this uh, physically now. Good stuff. Yeah, that's cool. So what does the guy make up for, for all his lacking uh, abilities? Uh, okay, then. And now we get to the light novels. Starting with Even If These Tears Disappear Tonight. 
College student Toru Nanase Narase falls in love with his upperclassman Izumi Wataya, and she accepts his confession on the condition that he cannot fall in love with her. Their fake relationship begins, but Toru soon discovers Izumi cannot forget her love from high school. Hoping to learn who that person was, he seeks out her best friend, Mayori Hino. Follow characters from Even If the Love Disappears Tonight in the sequel about another heart-wrenching tale of first love. Ah, this one sounds like a gut punch. But not an, not an disinteresting premise, but definitely a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Alright, there's also How to Win Her Heart on the Nth Try. Oh god, this is long... Wow, I did I, that. I just stumbled right out the gate there. <laughs> Nagi Yoro Nagi, a 27-year-old system engineer at a software development company, is facing down her 30s with no sign of romance. She works hard at her job, but things never seem to go her way. Then, just when a series of misses happen at her lowest point yet a childhood friend reappears to offer her a hand not only is this genius engineer warm hearted and good looking but he gets along great with her the problem she's only ever seen him as a friend while he's been hiding his feeling for her their whole lives but even if she's willing to give him a chance will trauma from her past prove too much to overcome oh boy Rob Schneider can't handle trauma <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Gaggy with a spoon with this hallmark bull crap. Yeah, that one I kind of I read, misread the room for that. All right, what's next? What's next is Maiden of the Needle. Yui was reincarnated to a noble. Okay. Okay, this better be an interesting premise. Yui was reincarnated to a noble family in another world, retaining her memories of her life in Japan. During her childhood, she befriended the fairies she could see around her by using her magic to help mend their clothes. Unfortunately, Yui's relative lack of skill is in bless weaving, the art of enchanting physical fabric through needlework, ultimately results in her being disowned. However, when she's taken by road in Calstriver, and no... So... Shoujo magic... I mean, okay, I mean, hey, uh, another, uh, I mean, that is different. I will give them that. I mean, hey, I have to have a book where I managed to make a really fantasy premise out of, like, a girl on a quest to make books, so uh, this can be interesting. I'm, all right, I'm intrigued. Okay, there's that. Uh, there's also My Summoned Beast is Dead. Okay, bear with me for this one. In a magical academy for summoners, students combine impressive stories and magical... Okay. To say late bloomer... Okay. But he's here to prove he deserves his place, and as such, his counterpart summons be legendary beasts of... Uh... <laughs> Moving on. Uh, okay, I, mean, I mean, hey, if nothing else, it's magic high school, not easy guy. That's, that's something. Uh, yeah. I've never felt such a strange combination of pity and indigestion. Oh, Jesus. He's pr- okay. I, too, am feeling the indigestion. Well, okay, look, it's not the lowest possible bar. True, but we expect a little bit more. <sighs> we have standards here. Do we? First, I've heard of it. I mean, I do. All right, and then we have Associate Professor Akira Takatsuki's Conjecture. 
Naoya Fukumichi, a university student whose ability to inf... What? Is that... Infallibly. Infallibly. Fuck me. Infallibly detect lies has left him friendless and isolated. But when he writes a paper about a strange festival he wandered into as a child, he catches the fancy of his folklore studies protector, Akira Taka... Oh, God, my brain. Takatsuki. Thank you. A handsome, eccentric man with a passion for all things mysterious. Soon now, you find himself working as his assistant, helping to interfere any unexplainable phenomena. As the odd couple continues the investigation, now he realizes that his professor has a few bizarre childhood experiences of his own. Hey. I'm gonna look up something. I'd like for Yen Press to get more gay stuff, but then I remember, oh yeah. Tokyo Pop gets all of them for some reason. I'm kind of wondering if this is gay. It seems like it. Uh, I don't know, but uh, we move on to Yamihara. Uh, genres. <laughs> okay, it is a Jose. That's all I'm getting. But okay, might be something. What is this Yamihara? Yamihara. When they come, someone dies. <laughs> Okay. Oh man, that's rough, buddy. You're like Spider Man in that one comic with the radioactive semen. Oh. <laughs> I've got, I might be losing it a little, guys. After a quiet boy named Kagami. Kaname. Oh my god, I almost called him Kagami. Kaname joins the class. Mio reaches out to him, hoping to help the odd boy settle into his new environment. Kaname takes to her a little too well, however, asking to come to her house and then showing up all the time. Frightened, Mio seeks help from an upperclassman, but the nameless wickedness is already coming. It's Oh, this is a horror mystery story. Jesus. Ah. Intrigue. Okay. And there is the ephemeral scenes of Setsuno's journey. Please be interesting. I don't think it will be. The story of a young man who has inherited the life of his dear friend and a half-beast boy on a journey following the path of the teacher. Okay, actually got my attention. Sugimoto Setsuna is a summoned to another world and... Okay... But he's been given up on because of his weak and sickly constitution. However, he meets Kyle, the original hero who's been living for 2,500 years and ends up inheriting his knowledge, power, and life force. He begins the life he wasn't able to live before and starts a journey around the world when he comes across the enslaved half-beast boy. Their lively adventure... There's something here, actually. There's that, something here, actually. That could be interesting. This could be good, actually. There is there is a foundation here, and one that intrigues me. Also reminds me a little bit of some of the stuff about uh, reincarnated as a slime, actually, which intrigues me. Okay. Uh, we could probably just breeze through the rest of these. We have a sketch collection, Scribbles by uh, Kaori Mori. Who did Emma and a Bride Story. Yep. We have a manhwa series, Bloody Sweet. One eerie night in an old abandoned church, a girl accidentally breaks the seal of an ancient vampire who starts following her around like a hyper little puppy. It may not just be your typical vampire story, but for Nareem, a victim of school bullying, Vlad's ma- manic energy might be just what she needs to regain her smile. Okay. Okay. And we have... Uh... 
<laughs> Apparently, a new edition of Toilet Bound Hanukkah Coon called the First Stall. Ha ha. Yeah. Okay, that's at least pretty cute. Uh, so yeah, this is this is a this is a manga collector's edition of the first ten volumes of Toilet Bound Hanukkah Coon, which. I may or may not get as a present for Steph at some point. I know she's been collecting that series digitally, but... Yeah, yeah that's a wild good I just, like, abused by the fact that somebody ate it and just, like... They used the same... They the they didn't post a picture of the actual yeah. stall set and just reuse the, uh... <laughs> they just clearly gave up at this point. Yeah. And we have an omnibus of Fuera Magi Susane Magica. I'm not even going to read the description. I don't care. It's, yeah. it's not a good Yeah. And we have uh, new editions of Certain Magical Index, Light Novel, The Old Testament, and Omnibus. And we have some Korean titles from Ise Press, The Horizon, and a business proposal that none of you have ever heard of before. Don't lie to us. I haven't, and I'm sure they're interesting, but I'm going to be real. We've been at this for a lot longer than I was expecting because Yen Press had way more than I thought they did. So yeah, good for Yen Press. They got nothing there screams fuck yeah, motherfucker. But those are some good titles, actually. Like, good for them. And then there's J Novel Club, which had uh, something quite a bit of stuff. With Yen? Kind of. Um, they announced that they are partnering with Yen Press to publish print editions of some of their digital releases. Again, it helps that they are subsidiaries of Kadokawa. It does help. Which would include Hell Mode, Instant Death Ability, blah blah blah, and The Misfit of Demon King Academy. Okay, The Misfit of Demon King Academy, that's actually a pretty good get to see that physically. That's, that's a good one. Good on them. So yeah, uh, that, that's pretty cool. And because we have four fucking Anon articles, we have to go through all the stuff that they announced, which we can probably breeze through real quick. I'm going to be real. I don't want to read the premises of all of the That's isekai fine. stuff. That's fine. <laughs> all right. So um, we will start with J Normal Club's new titles. Uh, we have... I think this is a manga... Yes, it is. Of Grand Sumo Villainous. Thank you for the short title. Okay, that's what I actually looked at music. Wait, Grand? Okay, actually, hang on. I need to look into this. Uh, World of an Otome game. Her fiance breaks things off. Supposed to protagonist uh, to be the villainous, though they do know. Was a sumo wrestler in her past life, and she won't let these weaklings stand in her way. With the spirit of Sir Sumo, her most trustworthy ally to guide her, she's ready for a smackdown. All right. Okay. Oh, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was wrong. This is actually a light novel. Uh,. Yeah, so these these are first light novels. So uh, yeah, we're starting off on a high note here. Okay, question: Can we get an anime about sumo and we get the sumo sound effect from Edda and Eddie? I feel like that's got to be royalty free at this point. <laughs> I, I doubt it, but it would be nice. Yeah, we're starting on a high note, and immediately we crash all the way through the floor with a long ass title that I am too tired to say I will say the name and then I'm not even going to read the premise this is uh, what the fuck's this uh, 
Enough with the slow life. I was reincarnated as a high elf, and now I'm bored. You said it, pal. You said it. Same here. Yep, and we also have here the Disowned Queen's Consulting Detective Agency. Okay, that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, when it comes to life, Octavia de Rhine isn't a legitimate member of the noble House of Rhine. She swiftly finds herself disowned. At first, she takes it in stride until her power-hungry father and ex-suitor start vying for the house full of mysterious heirlooms that her do- doting grandmother left. Little does her family know she's just dis- destined to inherit it an even greater legacy, hopes to follow her granny's footsteps and become a famous detective. She'll face off against young noblemen, phantom thieves, and magical items corrupted by demonic forces. Oh, and one vengeful angel queen. Okay, so basically, uh, gets disowned by a rich family, decides to become Sherlock Holmes. Alright. Okay. And there is I Parry Everything. Um, It's very self-explanatory. I parry everything. What do you mean I'm the strongest? I'm not even an adventurer yet. Suck my fucking dick. Ugh. And then we have yeah. manga. Like this one. Karate Master E6. I for fuck's sake. We already did sumo villainous. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Karate Isekai seems a little weak after that. The 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 prem the the blurb starts with the sentence after losing a fight with a runaway truck. I, uh, I, I, I like the I like I like the use of the word transmigrated. What a what a colorful word. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So what uh, else we got? Um, uh, peddler in another world. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. These are both basically. Peddler in another world. I can go back to my world wherever I want. Okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, like, there's an audience, and some of these might be better than others, but I don't know. And there is another isekai with a title I'm not gonna say. I'm capped at level one. Thus begins my journey to become the world's strongest badass. (sighs) I would say that girl's cute, but she's probably 14 and a sex slave. And moving on from there, uh, they also announced they are partnering with the company's RB Media and Podium to produce audiobooks of some of their novel series, which will include... By the Grace of the Gods, Reborn's Master of the Blade, Black Summoner, uh, Realist Hero, The Faraway Paladin, Hell Mode, and My Daughter Left the Nest and Return an Aspect Adventurer. Jesus Christ, these titles. There's also two others because those are the, all the ones with RB Media. Yes, and with Podium, they'll be producing uh, Smartphone Isekai and uh, Min Maxing Isekai. I, these at least intrigue me a little more because especially like titles like By the Grace of the Gods, Realist Hero, Faraway Paladin, and Potential oh, Black Summoner. Like those all have English dubs now, so I'm curious if for those titles they'll go with the main protagonists for their English dubs. So for Grace of the Gods, you could potentially have Emily Neves, Black Summoner, I think it's a actor named Van Bar Jr. Realist Hero, you can have Alejandro. Faraway Paladin, you have... Uh, 
I don't remember actually. And in another world, my spot phone maybe Josh Greeley. Oh my god, this is gonna fucking bug me. Who started the dub of Faraway Paladin? Oh, that was oh yeah, I did that one there. Come on, that way. Oh wait, yeah. what did I think? What did I think it was a ma- a guy? That that picture was there. Oh, okay, yeah, it is Narcomendus. Wow, there are really only eight people attached to the dub of this cast. Thanks, Crunchy. Yeah. And finally, they announced that they will be doing simulpubs of Blade and Bastard, the new series from the author of Goblin Slayer. Author of Goblin Slayer and the artist of Overlord. Yes. That will either excite you or fill you with dread, depending on who you are. Or maybe a little both. Or a little both, yeah. You could be maybe. excited and dreadful. Maybe, okay. Um, so that was Anime NYC. It, it came and went. Um, Man, we really kind of started with the biggest fucking announcement and then kind of petered out. Yes. Like they 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 open like the the a place further than the universe one was Friday. It was like you literally cannot compete when you open the show with the biggest thing I have wanted for years on a Friday. Ugh. God fucking I'm so fucking happy about that. I I need a new white whale now because that was my big one for the past couple of years, especially after Nietzsche got dubbed. Place Further Than the Universe was the big one. A lot of the other dubs I really wanted have happened at this point. So now, my new white whale, Recreators. Uh, let's see. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I could take or leave it down, but I guess my white whale at this, well, not at this point, but still probably uh, Rakugo Shinju. Like, Showa, Genroku, Rakugo Shinju is a fair one okay. to achieve. Well, uh, while you're talking about that, I'll just throw this in, because I don't want to end things on a dour note like that, so uh, there will be more of Natsume's Book of Friends getting dubbed. Season 2, uh, will happen. It'll be on Crunchyroll. Same cast, same crew. Yay! And, uh, there you go. Yay, better finish season one. I still need to watch more of season one, but I really did quite enjoy Natsume's Book of Friends, and fucking Christ, Christopher Waycamp is a mad lad. That dude, that dude's got a pretty impressive vocal range. I didn't even realize he could pull off. Like, his fucking uh, Madara is crazy. Yeah, I figured we'd end things on that and not the fact that there are going to be three fucking Mahoka manga series launching next year. God, are there actually? Yeah, in two different publications. Okay, yeah, that's something I absolutely do not care about at all, so uh, that's not... Stop trying to make Fetch happen. It's not gonna happen. It, they really trying. Oh, gosh. Okay. And now we get to our rather paltry home video roundup for uh, February. Uh, last one that we'll be doing uh, this year. So uh, we'll catch up later. So for Sentai for February, we have three releases. On February 7th, we have Girls Beyond the Wasteland. I don't know anything about that one, but cool. Yep. 
Um, let me just pull it up really quick to see how many times this has been released on home video before. Come on, ANN, load up. Uh, it has been released twice. Actually, this will be release number two. So, uh, yeah, still no dub. So I, I imagine it's for other reasons, but you know, whatever. Alright, February 14th. Perfect for Valentine's Day indeed. Demon King Dymo. Boy, that that's a one I know that's been in their catalog for a while, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It is a show from 2010. And yet, this is only the second time it's been released. The first time was back in 2011. Mm-hmm. It was also pretty wild to realize, looking up stuff for this one, this next one had actually been out of print for a while. Oh, yeah, there's a story behind that. So I, will, I, do, want, I do want to lead up with that by saying that this was a Stephen Foster dub. Oh, Hang on, Demon King Dymo? Yes. Okay, okay. That's I was gonna be like, I, I was going to be like, only like the first quarter of Clannad was Stephen Foster. He like dropped out of that one. Yeah, apparently, I, apparently it wasn't his stuff. But yeah, coming out on February twenty first is a new release of Clannad. Like one of Sentai's biggest titles that I do not think is streaming and was honestly out of print. Yeah, it's, for a it's, few years. Its releases are a little weird. It was first released in 2011. Then it got a complete set in 2017. Then it got a steelbook in 2020. And here we are with round four coming out in February. Look, I'm just glad Clannad is still readily accessible to buy because it's a it's a classic and, like, honestly, a really special show to me. But I already own a copy, so I'm good. Yeah, uh, Stephen Foster did the first season. Janice Williams did the second season. He, Stephen Foster did the first half of season one. I think the rest was Janice Williams. Well, then Anna needs to correct their credits on here. Anyways, either way. Yes. And now we get to the new releases. On February 28th, we have Revisions. So, uh, this continues my theory that I think Sentai literally is going to get every title from Plus Ultra that was on Netflix. Because yeah. I don't care about revisions. I'm not going to pretend I give a shit about revisions. I'm excited because this might be locking in three shows I'm really looking forward to getting to own. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes, we have Ingress... We have Revisions, and we have Carolyn Tuesday. And we have Drifting Dragons. And there's one in between those two. Yep. Uh, I mean, I mean, I will say I do vaguely remember enjoying Revisions when it was out. It was a kind of, it was a Goro Tadaguchi thing, so if nothing else, it had, like, some pretty amusing plot twist, and it was very fun and so to watch. So, Hang on, I need to check something that. quick. I want to, I want to check to make sure that it is that I'm not going crazy and they do list the uh yes okay there is a thing on the box saying from the creator of Code Geass for revisions well how else are you going to sell this piece of crap 
which is very funny. I mean, as as I mean, hey, if you like the if you like Cody for being silly, this is also silly. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> oh, and can you tell who has the very generic Kirito haircut? Who is voicing that character in English? No, you're talking <laughs> okay, about Bryce. Okay, okay. That's okay, not even a Kirito haircut. Uh, That's okay, just a okay, guy. It's, okay, it's funny you say it's funny you say Kirito because that character has been like utterly described as what if someone tried to make Jinji carry an alpha male. I remember reading that A and N piece a while back. Yeah, give characters <laughs> different haircuts for once, people. We are legally allowed. We are legally not allowed to. Look, it's either going to be the most generic thing you've ever seen or the most buck-fucking-wild hairstyle you've ever seen. There is no in-between. I mean, they can't give everyone Yu-Gi-Oh hair, even though they maybe should. Cowards. Alright. And, lastly, also on February 28th, Season Master Takaki-san, the movie. I find it amusing that, like, all the more overtly, like, romantic stuff or associated with romance are just missing the February 14th solicitation date. Yeah, that's funny. Mm-hmm. And we, that that will actually come up in the next section as well, too. But yeah, no, uh, glad they got the Takagi-sana movie. That's a good get for them. And it's, it's dubbed, too. So, eight. Yeah. Now we get to the Crunchyroll, I'm saying it right, February slate. Coming out on February 7th is How Not to Summon a Demon Lord Omega. Is this the season with the birthing cam? No, that was the first one. Okay, then what's the point of this? I honestly never really watched... I didn't get far in the second season of this. I I was kind of like, eh... I, I even I even you heard that I think this one just is a little more overtly horny and a little less silly, which is eh, kind of a bummer. Anyways, this one's not not Gaganelli, but whatever. Yeah, but what is is something I misspelled in the freaking document. Uh, shame on me, Horamia. Yeah, Horamia. This is one that has literally been two years in the making. It's kind of wild it took this long, but I have a theory why it took this long, and I'm glad my theory was proven fucking correct. My theory was that I think all of the LEs that were going to be released by Funimation, several of them were sent back to remove all the Funimation branding, and I was confident Horamiya was one of them, and I was proven correct. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to give Crunchyroll uh, a demerit, though. On the back of the regular release, it says, From Cloverworks, the studio behind Darling in the Franks and Wonder Egg Priority. Oh, you think that's bad? The one for Wonder Egg Priority is especially mean. Hang on, let me go pull that one out for a second. Like, guys, you're promoting a good show. Don't use crappy shows to promote it. Okay, here's the one I got for the Wonder Egg Priority Blu-ray. From Cloverworks, the studio behind The Promise Neverland and Darling in the Frank. Oh my god, really? Uh... Why would you hurt me? You're supposed to fucking sell your shows. 
Like, it, like that's really funny. Anyways, I look forward to the my dress up darling Ellie that you know is gonna be coming, and see how they uh, sell Cloverworks there. Oh my god! Okay. All right. On February fourteenth, again Valentine's Day. First, we have the Slime Diaries. I like the Slime Diaries, and I'm glad it's getting a Blu-ray. We also have World Witches Take Off. The war on pants has been going on way longer than you would think. It's almost like a cold war on pants at this point. Uh, And most importantly of all, most importantly of all, we have a DVD re-release of Dragon Ball GT. Why? I have no idea. Step into the Grand Tour, Grand Tour, Grand Tour, Dragon Ball GT. Uh, I mean, uh, on a a completely different note, uh, the French got a really good classic Dragon Ball remaster, and why can't we have nice things? Yes, they did. And the envy is real. Why can't we have nice things? Oh yeah, we're never going to get that. We are never going to get that. I, I, I mean, I mean, the U.S., get a nice-looking Dragon Ball release? What are you, crazy? No, you're going to get another freaking widescreen Dragon Ball GT release on DVD in 2023. Because that's what the people want? <laughs> okay. You've never seen a show treated so strangely like you have Funimation treating Dragon Ball honestly you could also count Toei treating Dragon Ball too because as much of that is on Funimation a lot of that also on Toei because fucking Christ and yet they refuse to put in those terribly gaudy promos as bonus features just say, own up to your crap, guys. No. Uh, but uh, thankfully, as a very unintentional way of wrapping the show up in a full circle sense, February 21st, we have Love After World Domination. Great show, but it is really strange that it is really strange that Love After World Domination Horamiya got released outside of February 14th to me. Obviously, we had to make room for the freaking Dragon Ball GT re-release and Demon King Daimo for the first time in 12 years. Mm-hmm. Either way, I definitely gotta get that Horimiya set. Yeah. And with that, the show that went way too long once again is over. Yep. And yeah, needed to be done, but, though. Yeah, these are fine, but I definitely fucking forward to that month break. Yeah, I think we all are, because, uh, yeah. It was not the end of the road for this year that I hoped it would be. There was some stuff that I wish we could have done, but unfortunately, uh, scheduling and timing, and in my case, burnout, is getting in the way. We will reconvene in the new year, hopefully with a bit more energy and a plan. But for now, uh, yeah, I think uh, this will do it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, any final words before we head out and sign off for the last time in the year? Honestly, I'm just kind of tired, but there's always a lot of new developments, crazy developments. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <sighs> so, with that, this show comes to an end for the year. Thank you all for listening. Uh, not just to this edition of Podcast Only, but to all the editions we've done throughout the year. It has been a very busy year, to say the least. We wish we could have done more, but it's just one of those things. So thank you for listening. We hope you will come back next time in the new year. So until then, just take care of yourselves and everyone around you. Yeah, Take uh, care. Yeah, take care. Enjoy your holiday. And I uh, will see you next year. Yo, good night, everybody. Bye-bye. See you in the new year. Peace.